So you have an inkling that you want to see transformative change in your life. Like you've done life for a while now, right? We got, we got our feet underneath us. We're in midlife, right ladies? So you're here in this place where you know you want to move, but you're really not sure what the next step could be. Well, just wait till you hear what Sarah Byfield has to talk to us about today, because she's got this thing nailed down. And in fact, she even talks about how women in her program are in midlife and beyond, because really they're ready. They're ready for that transformative change. They want to see major things happening and moving. And they really are at that point where they want to make a difference in the world. They don't want to just sit idly and, and you know, watch, watch the roses as they retire. They like want to make a difference. They want to leave their mark now. Uh, and yet they're not really sure the process by which to get that started. So this conversation and Sarah Byfeld in general, you are just going to love her. She has a wealth of experience, both personal and with her coaching and with all of the, the, really fabulous women that she has met along the way. And so one of the little sneak extra pieces of advice that's embedded in everything Sarah and I talk about today is all about the fact that community is essential. You need a group of women that are going to help support you through this. And that is actually how she and I first met, but why don't you take a listen and you'll figure out why it is that she and I feel like this is such a synergistic piece to really making change happen in your life. Welcome. This is Midlife Crisis to a Centered Life Thriving a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to live in. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I have taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. So let me introduce you to Sarah Byfield. She's leading the way for women in midlife and beyond to bounce back with a new vitality as they navigate the next decades of their life. Sarah is the founder of Magic of Midlife, Discover Your Life Purpose, and she hosts a Women Inspiring Women podcast series on her Facebook page. And last but certainly not least, she is the creator of a cutting-edge transformational program called the Mind Shift Method, and she's going to talk to us about that today. Sarah's personal mission is to help women unleash their hidden potential to live a charmed life. She shares her wisdom from her own life experiences, accreditations from exceptional world-class mentors, and her interactions with women from around the globe. She brings to her teaching her love of ancestry, social history, culture, travel, the arts, and her passion for the possible. 
her women-centered masterclasses, inspirational podcasts, and online workshops never fail to motivate women to create significant positive change by creating extraordinary success, joy, and abundance in their multifaceted lives. So let's talk to Sarah. Let's jump right in. So the first question I ask everybody is tell me your story. So my story, um, it's like having a two, two major chapters. So I grew up in England. I had a pretty rough childhood with my dad leaving home. People didn't do that in those days. And it was very much a case of my mum had no money, so I was very neglected. Um, my brother and sister went wayward. But I met a guy, um, after meeting unsuitable partners, I met a guy that was so solid, um, so reliable, and I've been married to him now for 42 years. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So we had a family, three girls. We lived near my mom and his parents. And then we decided that we had to move to Canada. And I didn't want to go. I said, okay, I'll go for two years, but I want to move back into this life. So if that's a promise, we can go. So two years turns into five and five years turns into 10 and the children settle. And it became very difficult to move back. So here I am in Canada. But it was at that stage, I think it was almost like letting go of my mother. I was very connected to her. I always felt I had to look after her because, you know, she was alone and I was the youngest. And I very much felt I had to look after her. So when we got to Canada, I was, how old was I? I was 38 when I moved here. So I've been here 25 years or so. Um, I started getting really interested in human nature, human potential. So I wasn't allowed to work. So I studied psychology for three years and I was really interested in mental health. But then life got in the way because I thought, I can't do anything with this. I'm too old. I can't learn. Nobody's going to want me. I'm not good enough. And all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So I went into home renovation and built various homes along the way. But what I didn't really realize is you're very alone when you move away from your family. And so mm-hmm. I struggled and tried to do everything alone. Um, and then when you get into your late 40s, early 50s, I started getting really a bit crazy. In fact, my children said, we don't want to bring our friends out home anymore because you're scary. ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not scary. Don't be stupid. <laughs> I was. I was looking back. I was. I was frustrated. I felt alone. I felt anxious because I was dealing with my mum with Alzheimer's. My brother had colon cancer. My sister was lost in Africa. My daughter wanted to move to Australia with a totally unsuitable boyfriend. And there's all these things happening. I didn't realise I was just dealing with it, dealing with it. And so, therefore, um, when my mum died of Alzheimer's, I. I lived in the nursing home with her for a number of years. And I realized that the people that were doing the best, not that years, a number of weeks, people doing the best were the ones that had purpose. And they were ah. they were still living that purpose, even though they had Alzheimer's. And it made me think, I really want to help women combat Alzheimer's, you know, to you know, really come into themselves and um, deal with any chronic issues and really find a purpose because they yeah. can help and hopefully live longer. And that's what I did. Seven years ago, I started nutrition. I started studying to be a coach. And here I am, inspiring women. <laughs> inspiring women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah so tell us a little bit about your business and tell us a little bit about like what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Like, what does that look like, women inspiring women? What are you doing today with that mm-hmm. goal? 
So it started off with the idea of writing a book. It was going to be called The Luminaire's Journey or The Luminaire's Legacy. And that's a really interesting process, writing a book, because it opens up so many interesting things. And because I've got a monkey mind, I think, oh, my God, ancestry is so interesting. Um, really bringing awareness to nature is so interesting. So I get distracted from all these things. But what's come from it is I've created uh, my business is called Mind Shifts, and I've created the Mind Shift Method. And it's based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it starts off with um, compassion. So it's about, I have to remind myself because I've been away for three months. It's the simple art of self-compassion. And then once people learn how to really love themselves and what that really means, um, they can move into the joy of self-discovery where they start looking at all their skills and their talents and their background, what they need to let go of, um, what holds them back and all of that. And then the next one is um, the secrets of self-fulfillment because they start realizing they've got all these experiences and talents and their wisdom that, you know, they've been accumulating through the years. And mm -hmm. the last one is the legacy of love. And the legacy of love is when you can literally take control of your own mind, realize that everything has an energy and it's the way that your mind body connects to that energy is what your reality is. Yeah. So it's such a beautiful, and it, it does, it all just kind of tongue and grooves together one yeah. right on top of the other. I can totally tell that, which I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, is meant to dung and groove together as well. But I love how you conceptualize that. That's just beautiful. Very much, I guess, women inspiring women comes from where I'm gathering groups of women together because that's when we all get to talk and share. And as a community, we can normalize things, et cetera. And my women inspiring women and where people find out about what I'm doing is the magic of midlife. And now I'm having to add and beyond because I'm attracting a lot of spiritual women that are about my age. And I don't know if we can classify ourselves as midlife anymore at 62. I mean, <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a different set of tools we need, you know, the midlife. So we can talk about that if you like, you know, because you're yeah. very much of what the midlife woman is going through and what she needs and yeah. beyond I mean beyond is about connection to spirituality and finding mm -hmm. that letting things go yeah so what are some common challenges that you find in your helping women in this place like to graduate through these levels mm. Well, the common challenge is I'm not reaching the women that I thought I was going to reach. I was hoping to reach the women that were in the place that I was, but they're not ready. They're not ready to take the commitment to go through the process because it's hard at the beginning. It's, you know, you have to learn new habits. You have to, a lot of people don't want to look at their past, but we're not yeah. looking from a therapy point of view. We're looking at it from the wisdom you can take from it. And um, I do go through a grief recovery process for some people, which works wonders, but they've got to be prepared to do that because it can really upset your psyche. But once mm -hmm. you get through that, this whole world opens up and then you learn about the synchronicities and the opportunities. And every time it happens to me, I never tire, but I think, oh my God, how did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> so um, the biggest challenge is getting people to take that first step and mm -hmm. And that, let me sort of hold, not only me, you know, the group of women that I be with, you hold each other to accountability and support and normalize situations. And then women no longer feel alone. And mm -hmm. that's important 
And because then they start getting a little bit addicted to this group and then they make all these close friends and we all know what that's like. Um, so, yeah. Yes. Well, and it, it, see, it, Sarah is insinuating here. The reason I know Sarah, Sarah was the founder of a women's accountability writers group that I joined um, in a in a bigger umbrella group that the two of us were already in. And you have the knack. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how else to say that, Sarah. Like it's hard. It's like herding cats to get, you know, a group of a large group of women to kind of go in the same direction with something. Even when we have kind of that common thread for us, it was writing. And um, I love just the synergy that you create in a in a situation like that. I think that you, I, you definitely have a gift in being able to to do that. And you're right; it's such. It's such an important key component in women's experience of an evolutionary process. We don't yeah. do stuff in isolation. We just don't. We never That's have not who we are. Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on there because women today, especially with social media, they feel very isolated. And that's one of the problems. You go back through history, hundreds, thousands of years, women were always together. And still other cultures, they're still very much together that's mm-hmm. another passion of mine. I love world travel. So whenever I'm sort of in places like India or Japan or something, I'm very interested in the way that the women divide from the men. They seem to have their own separate lives, but come together as a community. It's fascinating. Yes, it's fascinating, right? But it makes total sense because, I mean, we want to be in a place where we can just be our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. Social media is not our authentic selves. So it's like, it's this <clears throat> catch-22 of you can have connection to people everywhere, but it's, Mm. is it connection? Is it true, authentic connection? And Mm. in that space of that true, authentic connection, I think, you know, sky's the limit, what you can do with your Mm. life. You go through all of those stages that you're helping to guide women through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there you've got the key word is connection. So because in midlife, we've been helping this person, helping that person and putting yourself here, there and everywhere. We're not connected to ourselves anymore. We have Mm -hmm. to find out who are we? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Um, so connecting with ourselves, and then having the energy to connect to the next level of giving to your family. But women think that's selfish. You know, I can't do that. I've got to look after my yeah. family. I've got to look after my husband. I've got to do this. Um, so I think that's really important. Self- it really is important. I heard you say that was the part that was frustrating is that women, the women you want to reach, like where you were, you're having trouble reaching. And and that might be the key. What you just said right there is like, they have to be able to connect to themselves. They need that, that piece. I, and my whole journey at learn to love your story and the book I'm writing is really about helping empower women to take that first step. There's so much that can happen beyond that. But I actually truly believe as a clinical psychologist, there's just some pragmatic skills that we lack that we need to be literally taught and practice and it takes effort and it's kind of scary. But if we do it in a group, we're better off, right? Like we'll support and lift one another. And once you've got those skills in place, man, you rinse, repeat that, you're good to go. From that point forward, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can add to that because, you know, you, you're you going to be helping the women move past that first stage, which is mm-hmm. we need people like you <laughs> oh, <laughs> years of experience to be able to do that. We do. 
different ages and stages need different tools to put in their box. They do. They do. And they, yeah. and we need to break those molds. Like you said, the ones that say things like that's a selfish thing to do. And you know, that has pulled us away from wanting to learn that skill because it's been punified in some way, or just, you know, it's been dirtied up in some way that, that it didn't seem attractive, but at this stage, I mean, you so eloquently shared with us, like you found yourself, like my kids are doing this and they're going there. And all of a sudden I'm very alone. I, that's such a common experience in this kind of midlife rebirthing process where we like the old version of our life is literally in front of our eyes going burning to the ground. Like our kids are not going to be young again. Our It's just not going to tick and click the way that it used to. So we're going to have to step into this in a different way and new life, new skills, new life, new way of doing things. Yeah. 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 I mean, my eldest is almost middle-aged now, which I'm quite very amusing, but and I'm still, <laughs> you know, she's turning 40 this year. And I think, yeah, okay, we'll just move on to the other two. Now. That's just I've so- realized yeah, realize that I'm still wanting to be in her life and I'm still sort of being a little passive aggressive at sometimes about the way she's raising the children. It's totally different the way they raise the children now to what I did. What do I know? So I have to yeah. let go of that. And, you know, I've got to let go of her and let her make mistakes because that's her journey. She's got to make those mistakes. There's so much wisdom in mistakes and yeah, they're, they're the best. <laughs> so it's a, it's a hard transition with our adult children though, to go from that transactional love where we gave to them, we taught them to fish, which was our job, right? to relational love, which is, I'm just going to be here, your biggest fan, but mm. I, I can't, I have no more wisdom than you do about how to do this. This is your life. It yeah. Is. Yeah. Mm. That is such a hard transition. Oh my gosh. I was just sitting with my almost 20 year old who's my <laughs> oldest <laughs> and, uh, having a very difficult life, you know, decision-y making, conversation with him. And there was like, you should do this. You should do this. I just really wanted that to come out. And I stopped myself and I was like, mm. sounds like you're thinking about all the right things. Sounds like this yeah. is a really hard decision to make. Like that's all you get. I, Relational stuff doesn't feel as substantive with our kiddos, <laughs> even when they're 40. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my youngest just turned 29 and it, you know, talking about your son, I come across a lot of women that have relationship daughters, um, relationship issues with their daughters. So I don't know what it's like with sons. Sons tend to, from what my own experience, my brother is watching him go. He doesn't have so much contact with the family, whereas the daughters are always around. Um, mm-hmm. They also keep wanting to come on holiday with us still. And here it's getting a bit expensive. There's ten of us now. <laughs> so but I thought, hold on a minute, I don't have to pay any. I don't have to. I don't have to pay for everybody. Like these are grown adults. They can play. <laughs> but yeah, so relationships with daughters, mums, I don't know. Um, they don't seem to want their kids to live their own life. And you said about teaching them to fish. I think sometimes mums step in and still fish for them. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so. It's it's just a hard habit to break. It's a hard old, I mean, that was how we showed love for 
years, decades, we showed love by, oh, I'll do that. Oh, let me do that for you. Oh, I'll take that on for you. And there are even times where doing versions of that are helpful. Like when our kids have young children. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it just like an amazing angel swoops in and takes the baby and you get to sleep for three hours. Oh my God. So it's not (laughs) like you won't ever have any transactional love interactions with your adult children, but the, but the meat of it is, is, needing a shift. And when we fall back into our old pattern, that's where that conflict happens. And I think that's why that conflict happens more with, with girl children than boy children, right? Because they're, they are around more and there is more that you could do. Um, but those, they're being conditioned. Those young women are being conditioned also to be human doers. So they're feeling like over, you know, walked on or that we're judging their way of doing. I mean, like, then there's that layer of things that get seeped in. It's an interest. You and I could have a whole podcast on that. I'll let us, I'll let us move past it, but it's an interesting thing that happens in our relationships with our adult children. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, uh, give me from your perspective, how can women in midlife or beyond, because you help women in midlife and beyond that, uh, begin to cultivate a stronger sense of self-worth and self-confidence. What's your advice on that? My advice is to join a facilitated-led program where they bring like-minded women together. There's so much power in community of women because it's in our DNA, and we do Mm -hmm. hold the DNA, I'm told, of 200 years. So we will be passing that DNA for two years. So if we can get together as women and normalize situations, help each other as we go through our own journeys in a non-judgment zone and embrace curiosity or wonder into your own life. And I think it's just about being in communities. You can't do it alone. alone. And, you know, although I lead these communities of groups of women I also need to be in communities of women so I have to be in that more spiritual group of women to be able to help other women follow the path in their own way everybody's everyone's got their own journey you know we collect all these different um perceived failures um we make mistakes we've got to normalize them and mm-hmm. realize what they are we never get rid of them either you know I still come up with things against it but I now recognize it and think okay that's an old behavior I don't need to do that anymore I've got something I can do better so yeah. it's a case of recognizing stopping breathing and then taking a different action to create a new normal a new reality so yeah I and and inherent in that is the skill set of discernment and I just talked about this with another podcast guest forgive me because I can't remember which conversation that came out of but I think that that is the skill that underlies our ability to do that is to kind of weigh out all these things and discern these are the things that need my attention and in this order right that's a hard skill honestly and when you're emphasizing things for you not for others then you run up against that programming and conditioning you were talking about, which is, oh, that's selfish. Oh, you're looking <laughs> out for yourself over there instead of, you know, I like to flip that on its head and talk about like, yeah, no, it's actually the most selfless act of all because it we're pushing against conventional wisdom that says it's selfish so that we can fix 
and help the thing that's going to go do all the works in the world. So mm. I can keep being the human helper that I, that is part of my purpose. Right. I think that at a, at a very core level, that's just part of a woman's purpose is to be, is to be a helper. But what we've lacked is the knowledge and know-how of how to help ourselves in order to be the best, most pristine version of that. You're, you're spot on. That's exactly right. And, you know, as you say, self-compassion um, is very much the foundation. That's the love, safety, belonging part of it. So yeah. we have to know that we are loved, we are safe and we belong. And then it's about connecting the mind and body. How do you feel in your body? Um, what comes up in your mind because that is your reality and often you're projecting your fears when you're saying something and it's really interesting when you realize that because you suddenly realize other people are saying things to you we take it personally because we're literally meaning making machines but then we realize hold on that's not me that's their issue that's their fear projecting onto me that helped me enormously with relationships with my daughters (laughs) so (laughs) I now realize okay so they're suffering from so-and-so because they're making me feel like it's my problem (laughs) now which it is not it is not your problem (laughs) yeah um yeah so yeah that's amazing I like I think I'm just clicking, I don't know, I'm clicking together. There is a nice interweave between what your program is doing and what my program is like getting people prepared to be able to do. You and I'll have to keep talking, my friend, because maybe there's a way for us to, yeah, because women get to a point in my program and then they want to do more. um, And I haven't created a do more portion to the program that I'm doing, but I don't need to, because there's beautiful women out there like you that already have those intact. So we can just Uh, shovel them on. My mind always goes back to, you've probably read it, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Uh -uh. I Uh, haven't. Okay. (laughs) My goodness, you should read that. Okay. When it was 1920s, um, it's, it's almost like a Bible, Think and Grow Rich, but there's a part in it where he's got, um, this boardroom where he has a committee of people that they're probably mostly dead. (laughs) And then he, (laughs) even for him, some would have been alive, but he would read about them, learn about them so he could feel their presence. And then he could just go into his mind. He could see his boardroom and he could ask questions, get clarification about how they would do it. And then he would feel what was right to make decisions. You know, it's what we teach, right? We teach people how visualize you know you have to visualize something so you recognize it when you've got it so it's literally what he's doing yeah so I tried it and I developed my own so once my mum died I thought okay I'll bring her in because you know she's the one that always slaps me down and grounds me and then I thought mm-hmm. I'll have Einstein. I'm gonna have Einstein on my committee yes <laughs> my mentor and I'll have all these people and it really worked you know you could you could literally go around asking the same question you you download these answers and then you could see something from a different perspective so yeah there's so many good things in that book I really recommend you read it I love uh, it yeah uh, done all ordered all, already like yes <laughs> I had never heard of that book I will definitely read it thank you yeah. Yeah, there's lots of good wisdom in there. Good old-fashioned wisdom before the Good old-fashioned wisdom. I mean, that's what we all need. So how do you think that your program specifically is helping women to embrace their unique strengths and use them to achieve their goals and create a fulfilling life? Um, Because it's a stepping stone process. 
So some, you don't necessarily have to start at self-compassion, which I'm finding, you know, I'm finding women like you um, and other women that are doing like um, somebody who does a horse whispering, for example, or somebody that um, is working with um, disadvantaged people or somebody who's helping people with, um, you know, mentally emotional disabilities. So they don't necessarily need to come in at self-compassion bit. They've dealt with all that. They're helping people. So then they go mm-hmm. into discovery and they're finding things out about themselves all the time because they're having to still go back to the beginning to find out what their traditions, their stories, their beliefs and everything are to break through barriers. Um, so therefore, it's the next one after that is self. Dis- I've got self-fulfillment, um, self-compassion, self-discovery, self-fulfillment. Self-fulfillment is when we really start honing in on our skills, our talents, our experiences, our desires, and start upgrading our skills. So that's what I've been doing over the last few years. I've been upgrading my skills all the time and discovering what I'm really passionate about and really interested about. And so I spend my whole time now going to museums, learning about different cultures, traveling and things. Um, Whereas I wouldn't have done that before. I'd have just gone and looked at the sites and sat on the beach. So now I've got a whole deeper level of interest. And then the legacy of love is realizing that from that self-love, we can expand it to everything. We learn how to forgive and we learn how to not make meaning about things so therefore we don't get into conflicts it's more about the spiritual energy everything has an energy um literally everything has yes. an energy. and it's how we reflect our energy as to what comes back to us so it's about manifestation mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, that's how we help people is basically it's the self-compassion at the beginning that's the key yeah. <laughs> I, I i love that i think it's a strong foundation I always call it compassionate self-awareness and I combine skills of self-awareness with skills of self-compassion um, because women can be very insightful mm-hmm. and very cutting of themselves. And so even people like myself that know of compassion sometimes struggle to co- to practice it as a, as a self-discipline. And so I love that your program starts there. And, and uh, honestly, I mean, some of us have better skills at it than others, but it's still a good place to remind and start from, right? It's a, yeah. it's the launching point that becomes a foundation for everything else you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And in my self-compassion um, foundation course, I, I focus on the eight facets of life. So health being really important, um, the money mindset that you have, the way you conduct your relationships, um, what your spirituality is. You know, for me, it's never been about religion because I was told when I was young, no, we're not religious. (laughs) I'm never religious. And so therefore I had to realize, okay, spirituality is very different from religion. So everyone's got their own way of connection again. So it's about self, others, and the universe connection. Um, So anyway, we go through these eight facets of life and people see where their energy is low. And once they pick up the energy in one part, it has a ripple effect in others. Re-energize it so that it affects Mm -hmm. else. So, yes, there's lots of different layers in it, but I try and always make it fun, just like you do, I'm sure. It's it's the joy of life, the fun in life. We're only here once and we want to literally with no regrets we, we exactly wanna, so that's the yeah. biggest happiness that is absolutely true I mean it, it and I think it's such a beautiful lens that in such a not great place I mean you were sitting there for a few weeks with your mom in that 
um, place where she was getting cared for memory care or whatever at the end of her life. And what you recognized is that people who are struggling in that way did better if they had purpose. What a beautiful, you know, thing, little window that you saw and now Mm -hmm. has transformed what you're doing in your world Um, in a place, you know, I don't know. It's like the lotus flower that rises from the swampy, murky depths of the mud and water and still looks pristine sitting on top of the water every single day. I mean, that Mm -hmm. stuff is there if you're looking for that stuff, even in the midst of our life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women do get, um, they, they sometimes don't let their parents go when they've died. But for me, um, because I was in that home with her, I had to travel three and a half thousand miles every three months to be with my mum. And towards the end of life, I lived in the home, I think it was four weeks. Such an amazing insight to see how others were going through the process, especially at sundowning. But with my mum, she, her personality, her passion really came out. My mum was probably a matchmaker in a past life. And so because, because she'd been through lots of relationship issues, she was literally like a relationship counsellor. All the carers came to her with relationship issues. She'd always try and bring out my relationship issues by saying, Sarah, you're so lovely. Why aren't you married? And I said, I am married, mum. Five minutes later, Sarah, why don't you have a boyfriend? Because my husband wouldn't like it. <laughs> it was all these conversations. But, you know, she wanted to talk about relationships all the time. And it was it was lovely because she was in the element and, you know, um, somebody else, he was an electrician and he just spoke. He was asleep, but he spoke in his sleep so clearly, so eloquently, as though he was training his um, apprentices. And it was just so that's so cool. It's so cool. Another woman thought that she um, was the. Uh, the house, the residence home was hers. She said, my husband built this. Everybody pays me rent. I've got to make sure this place is pristine. So she would go around all the time, every night checking on everybody. Are you okay? You've got to go home now. We're going to turn the lights off. <laughs> it was it was wonderful to see. So, Oh, that's so cool. Uh, yeah. And, you know, my mum took a last breath and the baton came to me. Um, straight away, there was this download of um, you need to help. You need to become a coach. You need to do, you know, do something to help women. So so brilliant. I, so I brilliant. It's her legacy for her. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just tell us a little bit about what's coming up in your business right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate because I've met a wonderful woman who's got a business called Attached at the Root, and she wants me to do a speaker series for her. So I'm doing a trilogy on self-compassion, the art of self-compassion. And the first one is going to be really an introduction to the eight facets of life and how we connect our energies to all of them. And that's going to be called, I have to look again, Empowered Living. Um, so it's going to be, as I say, about what holds you back, what do you need to let go of. The next um, speaker's one is in October one, and that's um, called Embodied Wisdom. So that's about very much getting to understand your thoughts and the feelings in your body and how that gets projected as your reality in life. So you can start becoming aware, curious. And then the final one is find your flow, because a lot of women don't know how to sit down, be be quiet in their own mind. So I'm literally helping them to clear a space to create that energy to be able to connect to something out there that allows the quiet mind to transcend decisions. And mm-hmm. 
what to what to move forward with. So I use the four cardinal points, actually six cardinal points, north, south, east, west, above and below to help yeah. connect. So I'm very excited about them because, you know, as I write the program and leave it and then come back to it, it keeps moving forward. And uh, yeah, I think I've got it right. So this will be going in the book. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. It's it's funny. I have had that same experience, Sarah, as I've been writing is like, uh, you know, one of my online courses or one of the group coaching things that I've done. If I've walked through a series that I can just feel it as I'm doing it like this it's in sync, then I want to use that. Then I want to go back and revise the book and put that back in there in that order. Cause I'm like, yes, that was it. That was magical. But it's like, I have to do it in like vivo in order to really know that that's how that fits together. It's more of a, a doing experiential thing than it is a thinking through kind of a thing. Yeah. And that's the, that's the magic in midlife. That's the know? magic. That's in the midlife. magic of midlife. Yeah, for sure. As we as we process what it is we're trying to do and help other people with, it changes for us. And then we go up a level or we plateau or something. And then we sort of think, okay, I can do better than we're told we're told not to revise our books. We're told to just write it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not possible. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. So my passion has become my purpose. Yes, it has indeed. Because of the feedback you get and the people that connect with you, then you start resonating at a different level. Um, yep. So mm -hmm. we just lift each other. I think um, there's a there's a phrase, um, uh, a tide lifts all boats. And I think that's what. Oh, we, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what the phrase is. Um, I think it was John Kennedy that said it. Anyway, it certainly yeah. does. One of us yeah. lifts somebody else and it lifts everybody else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so tell my uh listeners where they can find you where if they want to find what you're doing next the speaker series or whatever you have coming down the pike how do they find you well and we'll put all we'll put all of these links in the uh, the notes as well so you don't have to rattle it off just let them know where they can find you the main place to find me at the moment is because I really don't like social media very much. I love I love Zoom calls. I love the technology behind that, but I do not like creating content for this, that, and everything else to promote myself. So the main place to find me at the moment is on the magic of midlife, discover your life purpose. That's my Facebook page. From that, um, I give information where other people can find me. By the time you put this out, I will have other links for you because I've got to okay, get Okay, good. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's the magic midlife, uh, discover your life purpose. I love it. Well, yeah. and I, I value the work that you're doing because I definitely think that if we can get kind of a, I don't know, there, there's gotta be enough of us in midlife that are all working in unison towards our life purpose for this to, mm -hmm. to work. But I think the entire culture of the world will shift, um, to use that same, you know, all boat, all boats rise when the, you know, tide lifts or all whatever. <laughs> I, I think if we can get all the women in alignment with what they should be doing, we're the ones that are help helpers and caretakers. And we have tentacles into all sorts of things in this world. I think yeah. the whole world is going to get healed when the women get healed. That's how I think this is going to work. That absolutely is true. You know, women empowering women is mm -hmm. key when they're ready, when they're ready, when they're ready. 
Mm-hmm. They've got to go to people that have the same kind of experience they're looking for. You know, you've got to have gone through something to be able to understand where these people are at and create commitments within a group to be able to make sure that there's no judgment there because p- people expect to be judged, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, we've yeah. been conditioned that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for coming on. This has been a real pleasure, you know, Natalie, because thank you. This is is my first podcast being interviewed. Yeah. It's it's me doing the interviewing. So, um, yeah, I know. Yes. It's like for other people. And the one thing I'm going to, I'd say to them is, don't plan for it. We're just going to have general conversation, whatever comes out. So there I find myself thinking, oh, I've got to speak to Natalie. I better plan for that. And I didn't because, you know, other things got in the way like painting. And I yeah. thought Natalie is a great interviewer. Natalie is a fantastic person. And I know that this conversation will flow because we've done it many times before. You've done, we've done it many times. Okay. That was amazing. I'm just saying that was amazing. It's so fun to have Sarah Byfield on. And I know for sure she and I will continue to do work. As you heard through this podcast, a lot of what I do really gets people in the position to be ready for the kind of transformational change that her programs have. So, hey, if you have been listening to me for a while and you've been thinking, well, maybe I'm ready for this. Maybe I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Go and look at some of her stuff. She is definitely somebody to be watching because she is going to be making big impacts into the future. And if you're not sure if you're ready and you're not sure why you're stuck, then maybe come and look at learntoloveyourstory.com. And more specifically, be sure to download all of my freebies because you'll get on my email list. And what's going to be happening starting this fall, my friends, is that you are going to be hearing from you. I'm going to start doing complimentary coaching one-on-one sessions to help you learn to love the life you're in right now, right here and now. And I do that by giving you a midlife mastery valuation. So we go through an actual report together. And in that first one-on-one complimentary coaching session, yep, that's right. One-on-one coaching from me, complimentary to you, what we're going to be doing is giving you an individualized plan for how to get out of your stuck places. And you're going to start to hear some of these free one-on-one coaching sessions in the fall as I start to record them and play them back for you on your podcast. I bet you what you're going to hear is your own story. I bet you what you're going to feel as you watch other women go through this midlife valuation report is the magic the absolute magic of watching your own experience get plotted out right in front of you. If you're feeling stuck, if you don't love the life you're in, if you don't know what a growth mindset is and how to pivot through change, then friends, learn to love your story has your back and I have your back and I want to hear you on my podcast. So make sure in the links this week on the notes that you click on getting your own free complimentary one-on-one session. All right. So I'm adding a little addition here. It's the legal stuff. Just so you're aware, nothing in any of these podcasts 
constitutes actual psychotherapy. Yes, I am a licensed clinical psychologist in the state of Minnesota, but everything here is just educational in nature and is a suggestion of things that you could be doing in your own life to learn how to love the life that you're in instead of waiting for a life that you're dreaming of to come towards you. So just remember, this is not therapy. And if ever you need any resources for mental health, look in my notes and I'll always have a little blurb at the bottom where you can click on a link and get those services for yourself.